subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. I remember a couple years ago, the, uh, the per- individual who helped me catalyze the birth of Check Your Privilege actually gave me this book by Audrey Lord, and I remember reading, Your Silence Will Not Protect Me, You. And in fact, it will not protect me. And I just said, you know, it's time. I start initiatives. I go back and hide because I have my own imposter syndrome. I don't feel good enough. But I do know for a fact that storytelling saves lives. And it was the lives, the stories I heard when I was younger by my grandmother or by my uncles and aunts, or even because I was kind of selectively mute as a child, watching the stories and learning through story of real life experience and seeing how people have been healed from that story. I think that's what has gotten me where I am today, really speaking up for my truth and understanding that when you do get real, people really do heal. Like, it's amazing. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Maisha T. And we are talking about an introspective approach to be an anti-racist. At this point, you know that anti-racism is this lifelong journey that one takes to dismantle systems of oppression and i really love maisha's story because she really talks about her journey to get in there and she offers actionable tips that you the audience can take and pass on to your communities so i hope you enjoy the episode make sure to click the links in the bio to access her book and also to access the uid collective which is a collective of resources aimed at helping you to become more culturally competent and more of an anti-racist. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Maisha T. She recently released Check Your Privilege, Live Into the Work. Now this is the first anthology in a series of works aimed at equipping people on their journey towards becoming anti-racist. I always say anti-racist or anti-racist. I go back and forth, I'm not sure. But um, as a passionate advocate for mental wellness, Maisha T believes that when people get real, they can begin to heal. So she's also, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. So um, I, I really wanna dive into that, that last part I said there, get real to, you know, so you can begin to heal. But I have a feeling that if we peel back behind the layers and we get into, you know, the inner child of Maisha will we'll probably get some clues along the way. So what was it like growing up for you? Yeah, um, I grew up Christian in a single parent household. Uh, my grandmother was the matriarch. Um, you know, I had a very blessed childhood to even to be raised by a single parent. My family came around. Um, we did a lot of church. Um, I was able to go um, 
like backpacking. I was a big, big advocate in the youth group and camping trips. I was able to experience camping. Um, my grandmother, they did fundraising so that I could do cheerleading. So they would take like donations from work and, and friends at the church and they would raise funds so that I could have cheerleading uniforms. And they did that from the time I was in sixth grade until I was in 11th grade, a junior in high school. Um, I had a very blessed life. Like I grew up in the suburbs in Concord, California. Um, and growing up back then, Tail, it was really like about multiculturalism. Like, oh, I have a friend who's Muslim or I have a friend who's Tongan or I have a friend who's Irish. And like we, there was like no seeing color. That was actually a conversation. We don't see color. Yeah. Um, so I had a very interesting and really positive childhood experience. Um, the only trauma that I can really remember from my childhood is just my father um, disappearing, right? Like showing up and leaving and then never seeing him again. Wow. That, well, so, I mean, you just dropped that there, but that you said the only trauma I can imagine that led to a lot of things. I mean, that's pretty traumatic. Well, yeah, that's super traumatic because then you don't, as a woman, you don't know, you know, if, if women in your life aren't talking to you about relationship with men or how to be in relationship, how to love yourself, how to, you know, love yourself first before you can love someone else. And then there's not a male there to model that for you. Yeah. Um, you actually do experience other traumatic experiences, which is kind of what I've experienced with men in my life. Um, there was another trauma. I don't want to share it was around sexual violence when I was younger that I kept a secret. Yeah. But then that's because I didn't have that layer of protection where I felt like I could tell my father, right? Or an uncle. Um, yeah. But yeah, like that, that is a childhood trauma, like not having a father present. Absolutely. Because there's no male to teach you, like, you don't see that example of like, this is what manhood is and this is what it means to be loved by a man. Yeah. Wow. And 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 thank you for sharing that. I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like because you doing research on you, I've come to understand that you believe in the transformational power of personal stories. So it's no it's no surprise here that you're sharing these personal stories. How how did you then take these personal stories of trauma of of multiculturalism to influence your work today where you are, you know, in that, you know, anti-racism educator, you're also a mental health activist and speaker and entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tao, I would say that I have learned to speak up for my truth. And I remember a couple years ago, the, uh, the per- individual who helped me catalyze the birth of Check Your Privilege actually gave me this book by Audrey Lord. And I remember reading, your silence will not protect me, you. And in fact, it will not protect me. And I just said, you know, it's time. I start initiatives. I go back and hide because I have my own imposter syndrome. I don't feel good enough. But I do know for a fact that storytelling saves lives. And it was the lives, the stories I heard when I was younger by my grandmother or by my uncles and aunts, or even because I was kind of selectively mute as a child, watching the stories and learning through story of real life experience and seeing how people have been healed from that story. I think that's what has gotten me where I am today, really speaking up for my truth and understanding that when you do get real, people really do heal. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. No, I I love it too. But one of the things that people need to get real about is their privilege. So how can we check our privileges? Please explain. That's a trigger word for many people. <laughs> so. It is super a trigger word because people have used it as a form of attack. And I've taken that word and I'm using it as a double entendre. So I, I teach on what's called this co-conspired journey, 
which is basically behavior change. Because when we're telling you to check your privilege, we're actually saying change your behavior. Like, yes, it's it's it could feel like an attack or an assault, especially hearing it from a person of color. Um, and again, I don't like to make this work palatable or comfortable for white folks, but it's really about changing your behavior. Look at how you have been socialized into the world to not even think that you have privilege or privilege doesn't exist. Right. And it's really starting with looking at your relationship with privilege and then unpacking and peeling back the layers of onions of how you've been participating in and complicit in white supremacy racism and how you have oppressed people groups. And it's a process of decolonizing the mind um, and really showing up and centering black and indigenous people of color in the fight against white supremacy. Yeah. In, in, in your work, obviously, you know, you're going you're gonna to come across people who will be talking about uh, the idea that, well, I grew up in this poor background or I grew up in this this way, well, I don't see my privilege. How would you respond to that? Um, yeah, privilege doesn't, it, privilege does not, um, it's not a socioeconomic status, right? It's but part that's... of what it is. And because folks are born white, they are born with this invisible, as Peggy McIntosh calls it, the invisible knapsack. So exactly. you could have grown up poor in, in Detroit and lived in a trailer home, but you still had more access to services and benefits than a mother, a black mother who may have been on welfare trying to better her life, right? Like you may have had access to a scholarship because of your whiteness. A, a social worker may have sat with you and walked you through an application process to better your life versus back in the day, black, white social workers didn't do that for black women, right? In fact, I remember stories hearing that the white social worker told my ancestors like, hey, we gotta come in your house and check and make sure it's clean so you can still get these benefits. But yet white folks living in trailer homes, like that was the rule and that was the norm, but it wasn't really enforced, right? So socioeconomic status has nothing to do with privilege. And then I wanted you to just clarify that just because I, you know, I, obviously I, I get the question as well, but I feel like with with the work you're doing, you, you know, you, you might have a, a different approach for answering that. And, and it does come down to that privilege. I've always said is something that can be, you know, something that you can use to to expand access to something you know let's say you have able-bodied privilege right you're able to to use all your all your senses now you can make sure that other people aren't you know ignoring or creating systems of oppression for people that are not able-bodied same right. thing with, with your whiteness or same thing with your maleness the same thing with with all that and, and another thing that i always add i don't know if you agree with this is that it is possible to be privileged and oppressed simultaneously like i could have male privilege i live in new york and i could run that well i can't run now but <laughs> <laughs> but when when i when i could um you know i could maybe possibly go for a run past 9 p.m right and not really be worried about getting harassed but right. that's not always the case for certain women but that doesn't diminish the the oppressive nature that can come with being black or being um an african i'm, I'm nigerian or being nigerian right you know yeah. Mm -hmm. Vivid example: Trump put a, a, a travel ban, uh, a visa ban or travel ban for Nigerians. That's something that's you know that goes down to passport privilege. Right. That's something that affects my family. I'm just saying. It, what I'm trying to say is that it, it goes on and on and on, but that doesn't mean that there isn't an intersection. So I don't know I, if you agree or disagree with that. Oh yeah, you can definitely be privileged and still be oppressed. Absolutely, I wholeheartedly agree. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's it's such a such a nuanced topic. And so when I right. saw when your when your book came along my way and uh, and Brittany uh, sent it to me, she said, I, I think uh, my issue would be great. I think she you know she has a lot to talk about checking your privilege. Um, I was really excited. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a movement, right? The yeah. CYP movement to check your your privilege. Uh, movement.com. It's a series of workshops to support women all over the world who are exploring their relationship with power, privilege, and racism. Mm-hmm. How do you define power, privilege, and racism? Whew, that one just hit me in the stomach. <laughs> How do I find power, privilege, and racism? You know, I define power as this authority, an authority of domination, right? So how does your relationship to authority and power um, influence and affect your privilege? Does that privilege influence and affect your ability to be a racist because you're either racist or anti-racist? And then how does that, your relationship with that dominance and power, your relationship with your checked or unchecked privilege, and then your relationship with being a racist affect the mental health of black, brown, and indigenous people of color? And so, You know, power is dominance. Power is colonization. Power is capitalism, right? And we all are complicit in this huge system. And so I really define power as this dominant, authoritative, patriarchal um, way of being versus just a system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you obviously with with privilege and power, is there you know, a unity in the, the in your definition, or do you feel like the combination of those three lead to the work that you're trying to fight against? Right. It's a synergy. So it's the combination of those three that lead to the work that I'm trying to fight against. Right. Yeah. Is it's the um, all of the elements put together to produce greater results. Right. And so it's this combination, the synergistic effect, and then how my work comes into play is is let's let's change the ingredients of your synergy. Right. Let's let's take a little bit of power away from you and let's take some of that privilege away that let's help you identify your privilege. Let's help you, you know, move through this process so that the synergy moves from power, privilege and dominance to um, what's like the cycle of liberation, which is freedom, which is uplifting black and brown and indigenous people of color, which is centering black, brown and indigenous leaders of color um, into the fight against collective liberation of all peoples. Yeah. Well, can, can you. Talk about that, though. Can you talk about why it's important to center the the story of black and brown folks? Because I think sometimes when people hear that, they they seem to think that, oh, it means we're never going to have another story. But I, I really want people to understand the importance of centering black and brown stories, because it's it's not like this, you know, you center the story and that means every other story in the world is gone. But right. there's an important, important byproduct that comes out of this. Uh, so I, I would love for you to share that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So centering our stories, um, you know, our stories have been erased from history, right? From the beginning of time. And yep. so centering our stories, it gives us our sense of agency back. Um, it allows you to step back and reflect and realize like most of the world's greatest inventions actually came from black, brown and indigenous people of color. Centering our voices really gives us leverage to see ourselves, right? So here's an example. I was on a call the other day and we were talking about, you know, the big three they talk about at Black History Month during school, which is Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, and Malcolm, not Malcolm X, there's one more person. 
And I was like, wow, I learned that 20 plus years ago when I was in elementary school. So you're telling me that the education. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Education system is only focusing on that big three. That's the only story that children children hear. Um, and then a woman said, "Well, I participated in your Black Women in History Challenge on Instagram." And so many of the kids were inspired to hear stories of like Claudette Coleman and stories of Toni Morrison because they didn't realize that there were more women in Black history whose stories mattered. And so they can see themselves in their stories and they can grow. Right. So when you're not telling our stories, it's affecting generations of us as adults, as children. Right. Like even the ancestors that are living. If we don't know those stories, we don't see our true potential. We don't see our power. If we're only hearing stories from like the dominant culture, like the narrative of anti-blackness can persist. Absolutely. And that reminds me of of hidden figures. You know, I was saying when the movie came out Mm -hmm. and I remember the the reaction from multiple people, myself included, it was just I was just almost mad at myself for not knowing that this actually was a story that this and this was something that I should have learned about when I was learning about Neil Armstrong, you know, and, and Buzz about, yeah. you know, about, about NASA. And that's what happens when you don't center the stories. The fact is, the standard is most people have accepted consciously, unconsciously, that a lot of the world was invented by white people. Uh, most right. people, yeah, most people have accepted the conditioning that has come with that. Mm-hmm. And most people, as you said, have just looked at the world through an, uh, a history that is rose-colored and, um, how do I say this in a, in a nice way, uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, filtered is what I was looking for. Yes. It's, it's, it's filtered. And so like, it's led to a lot of erasure and it leads to a lot of people uh, using unintentionally or intentionally their power and privilege to perpetuate this system and cycle of oppression that is what happens today. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, it, okay, so someone has heard that and they said, wow, okay, I do really need to check them. I check my privilege. I need to 
understand how I can break down the systems of oppression, mm-hmm. how then can they work towards becoming an anti-racist, which is what you um, talk about in the book. Oh, absolutely. Um, you, wow, that's, there's so many different ways to go about it. So I want to first say there is no right or wrong way. Okay. All of us educators, we, we teach probably similar content. Um, because if we go with right or wrong way, we're talking about the good or bad binary. So then white folks will be like, well, I'm a good white person if I do it this way, or I'm a bad white person if I do it that way. Um, so I would first say, just start with your identity. So start with whiteness, understand how whiteness works, um, learn about white supremacy, unpack how white supremacy works, not just in the world, but in your life, because this is you unpacking your own journey. And so you have to look at your relationship with whiteness. You have to look at white supremacy. Um, then you need to lean into what does oppression mean in your life? Um, and so identifying those three is a great start to start in your journey. Yes, you can read all of the amazing books that you want to read. You can make a whole checklist of what I'm going to do. But to live into the experience of becoming anti-racist, it actually takes you doing doing this work and um, looking at whiteness, white supremacy, and oppression. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Looking at whiteness, white supremacy, and uh, oppression, and those things, and I'm sure there's an intersection that exists there. Yep. I think what that does, though, is it probably opens your your eyes to things that you could do. And I think a lot of times people forget that it's not necessarily about, you know, you know that you need to now come up with the newest invention to, to end something. It's about right. unlearning, un- unlearning a lot of things, unlearning yeah. that, but also using the influence you have to educate your family and your friends because mm-hmm. they, they probably will be able to take the information better from you as right. opposed to someone from another group. You know, it doesn't mean you need to insert yourself in a narrative, right? Part of being an active ally, the biggest part is knowing how to listen and to be supportive, not necessarily to take over uh, the, you know, uh, I guess the movement, but it's you, you, you gather information, you listen, and then you use that power you have to right. dismantle uh, certain things. And I, I've noticed that some people sometimes find that hard to deal with because I guess the quick reaction is to say, all right, I want to be front and center in front of everything. And then sometimes good, good or bad, if, if, if you do it online, you do get uh, you know called out. And I'm not always a fan of, of uh, the types of call outs, but sometimes when it happens, it then causes people to say, oh, I, put, I tried, I'm not going to do it again. I just yep, try. I mean, what else can I do? The whole process. And then they're, they they have a version and then they're just not doing it anymore. Sorry for cutting you off. No, that's it. No, that, that that's conversation I wanted to carry on. So that, yeah, that, that's why I love what you're saying. I, I, I you know, I, I think it's important to stress that this is going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to mm-hmm. be difficult. You're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. everybody will make mistakes, but it's it's about understanding that the the idea that you can choose to check out is a privilege in and of itself. Oof. That's a quotable. We're gonna make that a quotable, Tay. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's uh thank you. That 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 that's that's what I, I was hearing when you said that. But that that's that's the point of it. So yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So tell tell me about your collaborators. How did you uh Absolutely. So we'll start with Jen Kenny, Jennifer Kenny from the Speaking of Racism podcast. I love Jen. Isn't Jen amazing? <laughs> yes, yes. I love, she's been a guest um, on the show and I've been at her nurse and she talks about you a lot. So this is yes. Great, so, um, yeah. Jen, I met Jen on the internet streets. 
So when speaking of racism started, Check Your Privilege started, and we just started talking in our DMs, and we've developed a friendship, like a true friendship, where there's a lot of real conversations. Um, she's also a writer and a human trafficking um, advocate um, over in Detroit, Michigan. Um, so it was really awesome to have her participate in this book and really talk about what it means to get proximate, get in relationship, right? Get close to black and brown indigenous folks of color. Um, have Brandy Varnado. I've known Brandy for about five or six years. Uh, she's an educator pursuing her master's degree in um, education. Um, she talks about being an unapologetic black woman in predominantly white spaces, but also talks about the intersections of um, anti-Blackness in those education spaces. It, it's a really powerful read by Brandy. Um, she's also an entrepreneur and educator. Um, we have Jamie Blanco. She is the founder of Urban Mentors Network and the executive director. It's a program that my kids are part of where she takes kids from East Oakland and brings them together for weekly groups and outings to give them a different experience of life. Um, her story is about um, nobody wants a white savior, right? How she came into this work and folks thought she was a white savior and that's actually not her story. Um, and her story is also has some Christian context to it for folks who are Christian and really want someone to relate to on a Christian level. Um, we have Heather Anderson. Um, she is the founder and of like a 50,000 member Facebook group for moms um, called The Mamahood. And her story was really around how she did not understand that she was racist or did not see her privilege until. Um, and she's really sharing about that experience and what it meant for her and how she's doing her work moving forward. Yeah. Um, and then Brittany Stafford. I've known Brittany for several years as well. Um, she's a writer. Uh, she's also a show, social media marketer. And she talks about ghosting the process and how uncomfortable this journey has been. And really gives folks tips on, even in the discomfort, how to still show up, how to still engage, and how to still be mindful of the process. Um, and so every last one of these women ha who have contributed to this book have shared their stories, again, to help other folks on their journey towards being anti-racist. Well, and then we can't forget you. Oh, yeah, my story really talks about what it means to live into the work, right? Um, yeah. The difference between living and doing and what it means to end throwaway culture, which is part of this call out culture, um, and have conscious relationships across racial lines. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's And and, and where can people find the book? Um, you can find the book online at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or with my publisher, dirtpathpublishing.com. That's where you can find the book. It's $12.99. Twelve ninety nine. We'll put that. Uh, we'll put that in the in the show notes, and we'll make sure that uh, you know we, we try to promote this as much as we can. But the important thing here, and the through line that I'm seeing with all the amazing collaborators you have, is just the idea of understanding that this is a journey, and it's an introspective look. It takes you know people really being willing to be honest with themselves, which is something that we don't like to do oftentimes yeah. because. Being honest with ourselves sometimes means we have to address the ugly aspects of who we are. Yep. And and, and I, I love that. I love that in your book. If if you could say who your influences are, since I know that you 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 consume a lot of the work here, what would you say they are? My influencers. Who? Oh. Audrey Lord, of course. Audrey Lord. Angelo. Classic. Yeah. Uh, Bell Hooks. 
absolutely bell hooks is like if i had to put them in order she'd be number one she's like my auntie but doesn't she doesn't know it um ayala <laughs> mother ayala um bell hooks ayala von Zant. tony morrison and w-e-b dubois wow Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, you just have. <laughs> it's the powerless. Like those are my influencers. Like those are those those are the folks that I go to to read and consume, and I also read a lot of like um, social political science journals around human behavior and racism. So yeah. Yeah. So okay, then I'm I'm gonna stay here. Someone says I want to practice a daily routine to improve my uh my you know anti-racism what what can they do on a daily routine just model your daily routine uh, uh for the intended uh, intended listener who is trying to be an anti-racist oh absolutely so i like to say um my daily routine would be uh i would pick something that i want to work on on a racism for about a month so i'd say oh, i'm going to work on my relationship with whiteness um, and then I'd do a morning journaling practice. I'd read read an article around whiteness, and then I'd ask myself, what is this article teaching me? And then I'd answer another question in my journal prompt, really around um, how can I take this lesson and impact it in my life, right, and move with it in my life. Um, so I'd actually do a 30-day intentional practice around whiteness and journal by looking up one scholarly article a week and doing my work with that article and then finding a community of women um, that I can talk to about it. So that, that way I'm doing my own work, but then I'm also in connection around this same topic. And I would do it the same thing every day throughout the whole month. Yeah. Wow. See, I love that. I love that. That's just reverse engineering. And those are things that you can do and, and customize for yourself to make yeah. sure that, uh, you know, that you, you're doing the work. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's not just reading a book, but it's really like, because it's introspective. That's my thing, right? You have to go inward and write and, and see your words on paper. And and then when you, I really believe like when Octav Octavia Butler said, you can write your life into existence, like, but just by journaling and getting that thought, those thoughts out there, you're already on this journey of unlearning whiteness, right? Which was the prompt that I gave. Yeah. You're writing true. that into existence. Yeah. Ah, gosh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, okay. Um, uh, I always ask, I always end the interview with these questions. So I, I ask my guests, my mission statement reframed as a question. So, Maisha, how do you use your difference to make a difference? I use my difference to make a difference by actively showing up and, and seeking connection and community on this journey of becoming anti-racist. That's well said and very succinct. Love it. <laughs> uh, this, this has been a, an interview with Maisha T, who is one of the authors of the amazing book, Check Your Privilege. And I'll make sure I put all the links in the show notes. As you've heard, this is something that's very, you know, starts off being introspective. But, you know, it, it's something that we all need to do. If there's anything that the coronavirus has revealed is that there are many cracks in the system. And, I, and by this point in the podcast, you probably have heard me say that enough times, but mm -hmm. it's also uh, a mirror for you to see what you can do, right? Mirror to, to check in with who you are and who the world is. And as you look into that mirror, my um, hope is that you decide to uh, better yourself and better the world. So there we go. Check your privilege. Live into the work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Live into the work. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The pleasure is mine. And ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877 351 0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.